With supply chains becoming more complex, you need to stay on top of the latest logistics developments. So if you work with logistics, you need the Beyond the Box podcast from Maersk. It's the easy way to keep up to date with everything from digital disruption in logistics to the need for supply chain resilience in today's market. Find out more and keep ahead of the game with the Beyond the Box podcast on logistics insights at maersk.com slash insights. It's Fit Nation. It's, 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 it's Fit Nation. It's, 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 it's Fit Nation. Awesome. They say love is more precious than gold. Living in 
All right, all right, all right. Welcome back. This fit nation. If you're a veteran and you are struggling or feel like you are leading a path towards the darkness, stop and think about those who are around you. Think about how they truly value you, how they will miss you. You are not alone. You need to talk to someone. Someone will listen to you. If you feel like you'll be a burden to someone or feel feel embarrassed to tell people what you're actually feeling, call the anonymous hotline at 1-800-273-8255 and press option one. Don't make a permanent solution to a temporary problem. If you're a new listener, thanks for joining us. Please subscribe to our show on your favorite podcast apps to include the military broadcast radio app and check out our family of shows there, all hosted by veterans, all great shows with a plethora of different topics. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel at the underscore Misfit Nation. That's the underscore Misfit Nation. Subscribe and click the bell. This will keep you up to date with our latest news, episodes, and of course, the stories of our guests. Speaking of which, our next guest is a dedicated family man. He's a Navy veteran and writer from humble beginnings in St. Petersburg, Florida. He has been married for 17 years and started, started that journey at the age of 18. He has four children. He describes himself as just your average, everyday Joe Schmuckatelli with some wild stories to tell. So without further ado, let's welcome G.S. Gentry to the Misfit Nation. Welcome, G.S. How you doing, man? Good. How are you? Good. For me on. good. Uh, no problem, man. You reached out. I seen you were a veteran, so I got to have this guy on here. I've uh, seen the, your meth and uh, mayhem stories there, so as this guy has to have some great stories, make people laugh on here. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I definitely got uh, crazy stories, that's for sure. <laughs> so why don't you tell Misfit Nation a little bit about your backstory that I didn't share there, and uh, from as far back as you want to go to how you got to where you are now. Oh, man, see, um, you know, I actually kind of started this this whole journey, um, you know, when I was in high school. Um, I was playing basketball, I love basketball, you know, if you would ask me back then, I would say, hey, I'd probably be in the NBA, I thought that was pretty good. <laughs> And then, uh, you know, my, I got my, uh, my girlfriend pregnant when I was 17, 18 years old. And I was like, man, I was said I was going to be that guy. And yet here I am. So, you know, I uh, experienced 16 and pregnant all the way through. And now I've got, you know, four kids. Actually, number five is on the way. Uh, we just found out we're having a little boy. So uh, I have three boys and two girls. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so uh, I uh, kind of had my heart set on joining the Navy kind of before I uh, found out that my wife was pregnant. So I just continued on that journey, joined to get my uh, get my degree. And so I essentially got my degree right when I was in the military. Six months out, I, uh, I basically started transitioning out and doing some internships. Um, and then I eventually got my master's degree uh, about a year and a half later. So I got my bachelor's degree and my master's degree. And uh, I've been doing cybersecurity and IT compliance, uh, payment card compliance. So uh, take credit cards, you know, your systems have to be secure. So that's kind of what I do. I like everybody's systems on the back end and making sure all their uh, information, credit cards, all that stuff is secure. And then, um, you know, when 2019 hit, I was like, uh, I had a house and I was going to sell it. And, and it kind of all went downhill. So essentially the, the worst home selling experience you can ever imagine and uh, I had uh, one real estate agent. He um, he was actually the guy who sold me my house. And I was looking at houses, looking at Colorado Springs. And then, you know, all of a sudden he wasn't responding. It's like, what's going on with this guy? Well, the, I was out seeing houses in Colorado Springs. And the lady that was showing me, and she was like, hey, 
uh, you know, your real estate agent, he actually doesn't live in the state anymore. He moved uh, and he moved to Arizona. I'm like, what? He's like, like, yep, he moved. Uh, he's not responding. In fact, I'm quitting because he's even not responding to me. So I asked her where she's going. And she's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to this real estate firm. I'm like, great. I would love to go there. So drop him, go to the next real estate agent. And that's when the real crazy stuff happens. And so, you know, we, we release the house and, you know, you think it's, hey, not that big a deal. You can reuse the photos and stuff, but that is not the case. You have to take all new photos. You have to get, you know, staging. I had never done staging before. So that's a whole thing in and of itself. You clean, sweep, everything. Come to do the staging and then they rearrange everything after that. So they're like, why did I even waste my time cleaning and putting things a certain way just for them to mess it around? So we do the staging, we get ready to list. And then uh, my mom actually gets sick. Um, and so we go to visit my mom in Florida and we go to have an open house while I'm in Florida. And all of a sudden, my realtor, she calls me and she's like, Jerry, freaking out. It's like, Jerry, Jerry, there's someone inside your house. Did you know there's someone in your house? I was like, excuse me? She's like, yes, there's someone inside your house and they're under the bed. I'm like, what? She's like, there's no one supposed to be there. Right? I'm like, absolutely not. I was like, I'm not there. No one's supposed to be there. She's like, good. We called the cops. They're on their way. I was like, what the hell? Wow. No, cops show up everything kind of happens to, so it's two realtors that are doing the open house and not my real estate agent but the lady she's with actually called the cops and said that we must have murdered one of our children stuffed their bodies into the bed and then drove to florida and that's why we're really in florida and so i'm like what the heck is going on so cops show up you know <laughs> i didn't kill any of my kids i obviously have four kids and five on the way so it's like the world's like most crazy assumption turns into the world's most crazy accusation. And so, you know, the cops show up, I lose the open house. My wife's like crying, freaking out. I'm like so upset. And then four days later, my real estate agent calls me up again. I'm still in Florida at the time. And she's like, oh, by the way, when we did the open house, we, uh, we smelled something like burning plastic in your garage. I was like, yeah, well, was, was something burning? Like was something on fire? She's like, no burning plastic means that someone could be smoking meth or making meth in your house so we're going to need you to get a meth test done or we're going to flag your house in the mls for suspicious behavior i was like what the heck are you kidding me like this isn't breaking bad like you've been in my house like 35 times like you've been in my garage at least 15 times like you're i'm pretty sure like you're smoking meth so i'm like <laughs> yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna go ahead and fire this lady and then you know fire her and i'm like I'm, I'm going to get some justice. I'm going to go tell the news. The news would love to hear this story, right? So I go and tell the news. I'm on real stage at number three aisle. Uh, news does a little interview. And, you know, I'm like, yes, great. I got him. Well, I air the interview. And the very first pan out of the, the interview broadcast is a shot of, you know, the curb appeal. But it's got my new real estate agent sign in it. So our uh, broadcast goes live. Article online has a you know photo of the of the house with my new real estate agent sign and they just start blowing my my new real estate agent up oh my gosh jerry she calls me like what have you done like people are like saying like the most nastiest things to me saying like how could you do this to this guy and his family he's like you have got to take this down i was like shut up are you kidding me sure enough i go and look at the article it's absolutely her photo so 
news broadcast gets scrubbed almost like not even 12 hours later, lose the broadcast, take the photo down off the online article. So it's like one thing after another, after another, after another, like basically Murphy's Law with this house. Wow. Yeah. You, you weren't even gone, what, a day or two and you wound up with a, a squatter. Yeah. <laughs> so it's actually uh, even funnier than that. It wasn't a squatter or any anything like that. My um, my sister-in-law had a key to the house and she, I guess something happened at her apartment. She's like, hey, I'm going to stay at your house. I didn't know this at the time, but she freaked out, heard them come in when they did the open house because she overslept her alarm, jumps under the bed and they open the door and they see a child's leg under the bed. And uh, of course, I must have murdered someone. That's the only plausible explanation. Obviously. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So it's essentially, you know, it takes me six months to sell the house, three real estate agents, and just like pretty much what can go wrong does go wrong. And Wow. That's a, that's a wild ride to sell a house right there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. And uh, I hadn't actually even seen Breaking Bad at the time. And then everybody's like, that sounds like Breaking Bad. I'm like, what are you talking about? So sure enough, I started watching it. And like the first you know, few episodes, they do the open house and they're making meth in the basement. I'm like, this is it. This is what everyone was talking about. Now, so I, I, watched, I watched it like two or three times. Already. That's crazy right there. Uh, 2017, I tried to sell my house and had zero, zero offers, zero, really zero interest in my house. So I got rid of that realtor and then, I decided to buy and sell during the pandemic in 2020. That'd be a great idea. You know, no one's no one's out and about. It's easy to, to beat the crowds. So I put my house, I didn't have my house on the market. We found a house, we put an offer and it was accepted. I've got a new realtor. I said, look, you want to sell it? I need to sell it in 30 days. So, whoa, I said, I'm going to go TDY for a little while here while you get things ready. And then when I come back, hopefully we have some offers. As soon as I landed in North Carolina, I got a call saying you got a full price offer. I said, wait, a minute, am I getting punked? Is right. This, is this is a joke? Is, is Austin Kolchak <laughs> going to come out the, out, out the windows here and yet laugh at me here? She said, no, it's a real offer. I said, you better send this to me in writing. And I've seen it as, oh, wow, this is real. Our house is gone. This is awesome. I need nothing to it. And I used all the stock photos from the first attempted sale two years ago. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> I, I wish it would have went like that for me. It was like the first real estate agent I got no offers because the guy wasn't there the second house i had it offer here and there but they were like trying to lowball me i was like not nah, we'll wait we'll wait and then you know i get accused of the mess and the murder so then i it finally you know i didn't even get an actual realistic offer until like five six months later and it was like seller's market at the time in colorado like they're like oh yeah your house is going to be gone in three days i'm like oh great that sounds awesome and not three days in the, any kind of realistic sense this is weird three days. That like common core math three days. <laughs> exactly. Circle square triangle. Next thing you know, it was eight months. <laughs> yeah, crazy. So this I that did that give you the idea for the book, or did you have ideas yeah. for a book prior to that and then this morphed it? So it uh it definitely gave me an idea. It was like September or October of 2019. Like after everything had happened, like I, I texted one of my friends. I was like, "Dude, this would make a hilarious book." Like I'm calling it now, Meth Burn Amazon. It was like ah, inside joke, and so I wasn't gonna do anything with it. And it was like a couple of years, and I, uh, I I do a lot of report writing for work. You know, four, five, six hundred pages, and I had a situation where I had to write, you know, almost a 750 page report. And after I wrote it, I was like, "Man, I feel like I just wrote a novel." I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to write this book. And so 
this is what I did. I just started writing it and it was kind of like an inside joke. And like, I shared it with people, like, as I started going along, like, oh, this is funny. And then the more and more I wrote, the more I'm like, oh, no, this is actually kind of fun. And so I just like, just kind of rolled with it and I really enjoyed it. Outstanding. Did you write in the fact that it wasn't a child murdered or you made it a child murdered? So I, I basically told it, uh, it's nonfiction, but I changed so much stuff, like not about the actual story, but like I give people like crazy, hilarious names, like the real estate agent accused me of the meth and the murder. Her name's Dobby Snobby, uh, the guy who, <laughs> who was the first real estate agent who left. His name is Kafwi. So, you know, you like, almost have like a list when you say it. So it's all got crazy, hilarious names. But, you know, the, the stories are real. The, the events that I tell absolutely happen. I just put a really hilarious spin on it. So. It, it's true. It, it keeps pretty close to the actual events that happen. I just obviously put my little funny spin on it. And then I uh, didn't want to or customers, you know, see my name and be like, oh, this guy wrote a book about meth and murder. No way. We're not having him do our assessment. So I was like, all right, I got to you know, have a pen name and kind of change some stuff around. But like the company that I work for, actually, uh, I reworded their name. So my company's in there, you know, stuff like that. Okay, that, that helps out a lot for you as you move forward in, on that side of your life and your uh, author side of your life as well. Trying to keep that uh, division between the two of them, that helps out a lot as you move forward. Uh, did, was there a point in your life where you knew you wanted to be a writer or just because you were writing all this stuff at work, you said, I might as well just write one? Yeah, that, that's pretty much what it was. I uh, I definitely, uh, I'm one of those kids growing up, I was like, hey, we got a book report to write. All right, let's go watch this movie. I love movies. I don't have time to write. <laughs> read i'm gonna try and play basketball football whatever my friends are doing i'm gonna try to read so the fact that i even wrote a book is pretty hilarious in and of itself because i definitely not the most avid reader growing up but now i read all the time for work so I <laughs> hopefully you sent a copy to some of those teachers that laughed at your book reports based on the outsiders movie well you know what i actually always got a's on my book reports so i, I must have told those i good enough way that they're like oh, <laughs> sounds like this guy read it he must know all the storylines he knows what pony boy did it's good right yeah just just pick up on the key elements and just deceive them all it's just like cliff notes same thing you just gotta figure out what what you think might have happened and, and throw it in there and they'll be oh that's what their perception is that's good right or, or i would pick the books that i already knew i read or the movies i already watched that i really knew what i was talking about i'm like oh yeah i've already seen this one i'm about to write the shit out of this this is a great movie. I love that movie. Yeah, that's good. I mean, like, book. It's a great book. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, maybe would have us like present in front of everybody. I always knew what I was talking about. I'd be like, what? Buying the Witch in the Wardrobe. I've seen that movie like 10 times. So I'm like, oh, yeah, I think that's one all day long. Very easy one to write about, too. So, uh, what made you choose the Navy as a service of option, your option there? Um, you know, I, I initially wanted to be a, a nuke. And so that's kind of how I, I started it out. My, um, my aunt's son was a nuke and he, I talked to him a couple of times, like, you should do it. You know, it's a great job in, but the, the real money's right when you get out, they'll hire you. And I, you know, it's like, all right, that sounds good. I, I knew I didn't want to join the army or the Marines. So I was like, I, I don't want to go like get deployed to the front lines and like have to kill anybody or get shot at. Like, like kind of like a cushy job so I, I took my ASVAB and you know I scored pretty pretty high I was like two points away from the nuke, so I could get every job but the nuke. so um I just went in and I became a, a AT so still not bad though you got to serve your country and you can get to play with the nukes but then you got to learn something and uh, get a, a different path in life from there so you were already married when you came in right yeah yeah I was I, I was married in May and then I went uh into boot camp July 5th. 
And you already had one kid or two children at that point? Uh, I didn't have any. She was pregnant at the time. So oh, okay. we, I had my first one. And then I was in A school, I think, um, when, when she delivered. So we had a scare when she went to boot camp. You know, we saw each other. And then the very next day, she started going into labor and contraction. She was only like 30 weeks. And they're like, no, 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 no. We got to stop this. We can't have no preemie babies. So they give her steroid shots. Stuff. I'm like, oh, my gosh. And so, like. I go back and then I go to school and then she's like, it's about time. So they let me go. Oh man, there's, there's even some crazy stories that happened to me in the military. It's just, I feel like just the craziest stuff just seems to happen in my life. Like you said earlier, Murphy's law. So Murphy's Murphy just falls behind you on your shoulder there. He's waiting for you to, to make a step in a forward direction. All of a sudden, Hey, let me stop him for a sec. Come back here a little bit. Exactly. Uh, calm down. Calm down. I got something for you to write about again. <laughs> Yeah, I, I definitely have an idea for a book to write about the Navy. Uh, there's there's so many different things I could write about. This is so funny that it happened. How many years did you do in the Navy? I was in for seven years. Seven years? Yeah. And no, that's all active duty time? Yep, yep, all active duty. Um, I, I, I initially joined to get my degree, and so once I got it, it was like, you want to re-enlist like I could, but I was like, once I do that, then I'm at half point, but then you might as well stay the whole time. So I felt like that was like a good point. Could kind of transition out and you know, go into the civilian life. So where do you see you uh, in the next few years as an author? Um, I'm going to definitely write some more books uh, for sure. <laughs> you know, I have The Meth and the Murder, uh, an Amazon this story. I actually have a sequel I could do to the house that we moved into in Florida. Damn. AC unit overflowed, had to redo my whole downstairs flooring. They messed up my floors. I got stuck upstairs in my bonus room for three months while they did that. Oh so I could write about that. I could write a prequel to that meth in the murder house whenever I, I went to go finish my basement. Um, and I had guys come in and you know, I contracted out. And so they did the framing. Um, Colorado, you have to have floating floors. They do all the framing and they're right around like the water lines. Boom, hit the water line, flood the whole basement. They're like, oh, yeah, we just got to put, you know, a little purple glue around it. Should be good. Put it up there two hours later. Boom, floods again. It happens like three other times. So I'm like, all right, I'm hiring a plumber at this point. And that's only supposed like the whole process to finish your basement was only supposed to be like maybe two months. Well, I hire one contractor. This guy, you know, floods the basement. The next guy I hire basically does the same thing, pouring the shower pan, completely screws it up. I have to redo that. Then I hire the guys to do the drywall. And the, the guy that I hired actually lived in a halfway house, so he didn't tell me that. I didn't know that, but his nice. workers showed up and they're like, hey, you know, don't have so-and-so back here. Uh, he lives in a halfway house. And by the way, he hasn't paid us. I was like, oh my gosh, I gave that guy like $4,000 to do all this drywall and finish the basement. And they're like, yeah, don't let him back in. So he showed up one day. I'm like, hey, dude, you can't come in here. Uh, you got to go. And, and he's like, well, I got to get my tools. I was like, no way. You haven't paid your workers. I'm going to hold on to that. And so I ended up finishing the drywall, taping, mudding. I never even done drywall before. Lots of YouTube videos. So I ended up finishing that. So I was like, I could write a story about that. It's ridiculous. YouTube is a, a great study mark for me. That's how I learned a lot of plumbing myself. So that's how I fixed it. I agree. In my, old, in my old house, I watched two-minute videos and fixed stuff. So that's easy. Two minutes, I oh, watch yeah. a video and get this thing down. Watch, like, Save do so that. much money. Like, oh my no, goodness. no, you got to hire someone. Like, I can do this. It's okay. All right. <laughs> Oh, not a, not to mention, like, if it's a plumber, electrician, AC man, you're getting charged hundreds of dollars just for them to come out there, even if they just do, like, five minutes of work up, $100 call fee, $50 for every hour or more. It's, it's a racket. 
and whatever the listed rate is, that's what they get off you anyway. So you're going to pay it no matter what. And it'll probably be not a good job because they know about as much as you do watching that video. Exactly. Yeah. I figured out so many things like AC. I worked on an AC before my, my, my AC fan went out one time. It's like, what the heck's going on? I would like push the fan and it would like start and then it would stop. And I looked around and they're like, oh yeah, you just got to change this capacitor, like $25 fix. I'm like, yes, I can do this. So figure that out. And I've had it happen to me another time. So I was like, hey, I already know what I'm doing. I can fix that instead of paying the $2,500 for someone to come tell you the same thing and then work on it for three hours while they sit on their phone talking to their yep. boss. Exactly. Yeah, I've, I've seen that happen. It's a horrible, horrible, horrible thing. Uh, so uh, at your current job, you said they're pretty, pretty good with what you do. Do you see yourself leaving the job to stay full-time author or you want to keep that as a career? Um, I, I do like my job that I have now. I mean, the, the ultimate goal would be just to get paid to write books. Uh, you know, I'm a, a new author, so no one knows really who I am. So it's kind of getting into the business, kind of marketing and doing all that stuff. So I'm sure it'll take a while, but hopefully it catches on and then you know, I can write books all forever. It's fun, you know, do what you love if you can do it for a job. So that would be pretty awesome. Exactly. If you love what you do and it's no longer work. It's uh, exactly. just fun to get up every morning. Yeah, that's what I tell my son. He's a, he's a great artist. I'm like, dude, you got to do something with art. Like, he, like I can barely draw uh, stick figures, and he draws like, crazy <laughs> things. I'm like, dude, like you got talent. You got to keep your oldest this. boy. Yeah, yeah, he'd be uh, the oldest one when I was 18. He'll be 17 this year. So he's what, junior, senior in high school. Yeah, yeah, wow. uh, junior. Yeah. Wow. So you're getting old now, see? So. <laughs> I feel like it, yeah. All these kids, 17, 15. I know the other one will be 15 on the 22nd, and then I have two girls, uh, 11 and 8. But uh, the oldest one will be 12 on July 4th, so coming up here. Fourth July, baby, that's, that's good. <laughs> yeah, I got a 4th. Fourth of July, baby. Uh, the the youngest daughter. She's three days after Christmas. So I have a Christmas baby, and then uh, my other son, uh, the one that's about to turn fifteen. He was born right around Father's Day, so I got a Father's Day baby. And then this new one's doing Thanksgiving. I have a Thanksgiving baby. So you won't forget them. At least that's good. <laughs> hey, that's right. Can't forget the birthdays. It's so cool. <laughs> that's outstanding. And I seen in your your write up here that you experienced sixteen and pregnant before it was cool. Tell us a little bit about that. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, my my wife got, you know, pregnant. She was like 17 years old, you know, right around the 16 and pregnant. If you look at the shows, you know, they do 16 all the way to like 17. If they're in high school and they got pregnant, essentially, they'll get them on the show. And so when it happened to us, it was, you know, 2000 and 2005 and 16 and pregnant, you know, was basically, uh, you know, the team mom show, all that stuff was, you know, within a couple of years after that, I was like, man, we missed the mark. We could have been on that show. We could have been like the debut ones. But, uh, you know, we missed it, and then we we watched it, and I was like, man, these guys are crazy. Thank God I went into the military, cleaned my act up, because, man, I could have been like some of these dummies. You would have had a residual check the rest of your life, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, well, you know, funny stuff. So. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So when you were younger, did you have crazy things happen to you randomly, like have happened has happened to you in your, uh, I guess, mid-years uh, mid and post-Navy years? Um, let's see. Yeah, my, uh, my dad owned his own business. He owned a bindery business. I don't know if you know what that is, but you know, um, uh, paperback books, you know, uh, spiral bound books, there's a company that's to put those books together. And so my dad owned one of those places. And so I was working up there since I was like 12, 13 years old. And, uh, 
I don't know why I did this, but my brother had parked his truck behind the shop and me and my friends found some spray paint. <laughs> and so we're like, oh, let's let's spray paint like a couple cool designs on this truck. I'm like 12 years old at the time. Oh my gosh, he found out. My dad found out. Man, I got my ass beat so bad. It was like, he was like, why would you do such a thing? I was like, I don't know. It just seemed like something to do. I found the paint. I was like, hey, we're going to do this. So that's what we did. So working with the books led you to be an author and the art led your son to be an artist. See, there's two things that line up right there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like it was, I guess it was meant to be. <laughs> but like you said, he probably, he probably could have made a real design on the truck instead of just yeah. spray paint marks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He could actually have done something with that. He did some little stupid doodles. I obviously had no <laughs> talent. So it probably didn't look like anything besides the big old mess. So if you can give advice to that, uh, want to be author now someone just coming up has a crazy incident like you had and they want to write it up what what three things would you tell them to do to get ahead and start getting that book written well first i would just tell them just do it if you got the idea and you think you want to do it just do it who cares what anybody thinks right if you're going to be an author or a writer on a podcast anything right you, i feel like you got a pretty thick skin so you know people are going to say hey, you can't do this or you can't do that but you can do whatever you want right and who cares don't don't let anybody tell you what you can't do um, but, you know, I would say find a, you know, find a niche, uh, you know, find a good way to write a good place to write. I actually wrote my whole book on my phone to start it out with. I always have my phone on me for work and stuff. So I was like writing it. I'll be driving in the car and some song will pop on. I'm like, oh, that would be so cool. And so I actually have like little like sing-alongs in the book. I read, you know, the chicken wing, chicken wing song. There's a remix to back in the back of the book. I, I made a turkey wing song. So instead of chicken wing, it's turkey wing. So it's like a Thanksgiving remix. Uh, there's like a London Bridge is falling down remix. So, you know, if you're do what you do, what you're good at, right? If you're funny, be funny. If you're not funny, don't try and be funny because people it's going to come across. Right? Like if I'm not going to write a serious book, if I felt like if I write one, it'd probably be called like, why so serious? And it wouldn't be serious at all. Um, and then definitely find a good program. Like I, I use Scrivener. I, I stumbled upon that, like right when I was towards the end of writing it and you can do compiling and uh, editing and all that so I basically used that to do like my editing so I, I wrote it all on my phone uploaded it to like Google Drive and then I plugged it all into this program or if I felt like if I would have had that I would have like set myself up probably a little bit better because I probably would have been faster um, and then marketing that's the tough part that's the you know people think hey once you sell your book right I got this awesome story everybody's gonna buy it unless you're a well-known established author or someone sort of you, that's just not going to be the case. Even if you have a crazy story, like the one that right you know, knows who you are. So they're going to have, you're going to have to convince them like, why, why should they buy the book from you? Like what makes this so good or why are you selling at that price? So the marketing part, I think is probably the toughest part. Definitely. And uh, you, you self-published yours. Yep. I did. I did. I do a lot of it and stuff. I was like, I don't know that anybody's going to read this for one because uh, it's told a crazy different way. Like, not that they won't read the story, but like, you know, if I send it to a publisher and be like, "G.S. Jerry, this story," and they're going to be like, "I've never read anything like this." And so, like, it's good for me because, like, it certainly differentiates me from probably everybody. But at the same time, I feel like it it's tough to judge something like that because you're like, "Hey, it's written super different style." Like, you know, we're talking right now. Uh, we don't talk in complete sentences. We talk in a lot of run-on sentences. There's probably typos, all that stuff. But I do that on purpose, and so I try to, you know, write something different. Like if I'm going to do this, I might as well, you know, do something different. And so that's what I tried to do. So where can people pick up the book now? 
Uh, so you can get a uh, meth burner on Amazon. On Amazon, um, it is that Amazon that's in the book as well. So that's a, <laughs> the, the one actual real name in the whole book is Amazon. Uh, you can also get it on Audible for the audiobook, iTunes, um, and I also just started listening the um, the ebook on my website today. So greatden.com, you can get it on there as well. Awesome. Now, did you do the Audible, or did you have like someone else come and do it for you? Yeah, I, everybody always asks me that. I'm like, there's no way in hell I'm going to read this story. Like, I can't do all these crazy <laughs> character names. Like, the there's the characters are so funny. I felt like I would just be laughing at myself the whole time. So I, I held auditions on um, ACX, which is like the uh, the audiobook platform for Amazon. And so I actually held auditions. I sent them like the turkey wing song and I had them like audition it. So I was like, if someone can do this and not laugh and it sounds good, then this is the person for me. So I had like 10 people interview or do the audition and only one of them even like like went with it and like made it funny and i was like this is the guy so the guy who did it did a really good job you said that's acx on amazon that does that yeah it's a acx.com it's the uh like the audible itunes you can you can do it through them and you can take like the lesser royalty if you want to just like list everywhere you get a bigger royalty if you go through like exclusively through them so that's what i did that's a good deal right there and you get to have fun doing the audition so that's awesome exactly yeah i sent them definitely like the worst parts of the book like worst i mean like this would be difficult for anybody like i know i could have read this so i can only imagine somebody else being this, like what the hell is this what was wrong with this guy when he wrote this right this guy probably was on meth for real <laughs> well gs man this has been great chatting with you catching up with you and learning about your journey and and Murphy and how he hangs out with you everywhere you go. And uh, yeah, just right on my shoulder. I feel like I can't wait to see the sequel and the prequel to uh, meth murder and Amazon there. And, uh, and hopefully uh, they all do well for you. Absolutely. And yeah, thanks again for having me. It's been a pleasure. Uh, thanks for taking some of your time to share with the Misfit Nation. Thank you. Politicians lie, been fired by the boss. It takes one hand to count the things I can count on. No, there ain't much man that ain't ever let me down. Long neck eyes, cold never broke my heart. Like diamond rings and football teams are torn this boy apart. Like a neon dream, it just And long neck eyes, cold beer never broke my heart. She was a Carolina blue jean baby, fire in her eyes that drove me crazy. It was red tail lights when she left town. If I
You know how we do this. Thanks for taking some of your time to spend with us on this Fit Fit Nation. Be sure to hit that subscribe button and share the link as much as possible. If you want to, please become a supporter to help us carry this thing on. We appreciate you. If you know someone that brings that energy, has a great story, is an up-and-comer in any industry of music, in the arts... Have them reach out to us on TheMisfitNation.com. We will get back to them within one day and get them on here so they can share their story with the world. As always, till next time, be humble, stay hungry, and keep hustling. Because we are Fit Nation.